welcome to the latest episode of Harmonious World. My name is Hilary Seabrook. For this episode of Harmonious World, I'm joined by Sam Day Harmit. And he's one third of AstroTurf Noise. You're listening to Medium Lonely Blues, one of the tracks from their new album called Blazing Slash Freezing. This album was written and recorded over the pandemic, and there's something about the effects of climate change, the anger of our chaotic political environment, and heaven knows we in the UK know about that as much as they do in America, and the fear of whatever new insanity will come next. I think that's certainly true. AstroTurf Noise is Sam on mandolin and electronics, with Sana Nagano on violin and effects and Zach Swanson on upright bass. And there's something definitely kind of surrealist, experimental about this music, which is actually quite liberating. I'm finding it very interesting to listen to this album. Uh, It's not a comfortable listen. I really like things that take me out of my comfort zone and I think this does that perfectly. So I'm looking forward to my conversation with Sam and I hope you enjoy listening in. How's it going, Hillary? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Sam. How are you? Good, good. Yeah, just uh, easing into the morning here in New York. Okay, well, I'm easing out of the afternoon here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. Thanks for doing this so fast. So that's really nice. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. And it's very exciting that you're coming to the UK. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, looking forward to bouncing around a bit. Yeah, that's brilliant because you've got quite a um, a, a, a lot of, Tra- well, I say a lot of traveling. I mean, you're from the States, right? So, you know, to go to another city is, you know, you have to fly, whereas here it's like two hours in a car. So. Exactly. It's all relative, you know. Yeah. yeah. Is, is it your first time touring in the UK? It is. Yeah. I've I've done like some smaller scale, like improvised music things around the UK a bit. But um, this is the first time doing a proper tour out there. Right. Good. Well, you'll love it. And we, I think, especially since lockdown, but I think uh, in general, UK jazz audiences are are very kind of um, open. You know what I mean? They're they're sort of, you know, they want to they want to listen to new stuff. So, yeah, that's my impression. I mean, I've really been liking a lot of the sort of newer takes in, in jazz that I've heard both in London and Bristol. And it seems like there's a, a lot of open mindedness and a lot of sharing between different musical cultures and scenes and right which i think is not quite true all the time in the states i think in the states you kind of take your lane and you stick to it and you're either a classical musician or you're a jazz musician or you do shows or you you know whereas i think musicians here just kind of do whatever they're paid to do (laughs) fair yeah i mean we're lucky to live in new york which does feel like a particularly fertile place right um but yeah, it, it does. Uh, your results may vary in other parts of the country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
So uh, tell me about Blazing Freezing, which is the new one from AstroTurf Noise. Yeah, so this is um, this is an album that we made over the pandemic, and um, in, in a way, I guess you know, it was sort of informed by that time that we were making this record. You know, we had sort of a lot of time to um, sort of tinker and experiment and, and take our time with things in a way that felt different from our debut album that we released in 2020. Um, in our case, that meant um, exploring new ideas with found sound. We did a lot of sort of wanderings with field recorders and collecting things and then putting those into sequences and um and it was also just a really strange time politically in our country i mean you know of course this was you know we were kind of starting to put this together when we were still in the trump era and just sort of like constant you know doom news of the day that we were following and um i mean you know uh, not like um, our, our country isn't always in precarious political situations in one way or the other, but it felt particularly apocalyptic in some ways during that era. Um, and I, I think that informed the album as well. Um, you know, there's always sort of a way that our music was sort of taking these traditional American folk sounds and sort of melting them down in, in various ways. And in this particular, era, I think, you know, we were sort of, leaning into the way that that was a sort of reflection of of what it felt like being in the states at that time and uh the sort of chaotic environment that we felt like we were living in um, yeah. not like now when everything is so nicely resolved <laughs> <laughs> i mean it just it just keeps getting worse doesn't it you know yeah but um yeah 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 i mean happy to be on the other side of the the trump admission administration and uh you know inshallah you know we won't see another one yeah well no absolutely i mean uh, i was listening to something and they were they were saying that trump supporters won't be bothered at all by his indictments even if he's found guilty they'll just believe it's all part of this conspiracy. they seem to enjoy it it's it's fascinating to watch yeah yeah but but what it'll do is it'll the floating voters are less likely to go towards him than they might have done. So hopefully, yeah, it won't give him enough traction to come back. Yeah, as, as an amateur uh, political commentator, I, I would say that's that's um, seemingly uh, a pretty narrow path for him to to get Absolutely. real. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. So one of the things that. Um, is described when talking about you is that you are all the three of you are hyphenated Americans. So you're <laughs> Jewish American, Japanese American, and Mexican American. Now, so put me right. So you're the Jewish American. That's right. And yeah. Sana is the Japanese American, and Zach is the Mexican American. That's right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So because that's a that's a weird thing. I mean, you people like to kind of you hang on to to your heritage but consider yourself american as well yeah yeah it, it is a, a uniquely american thing i think um you know i've i've uh, had that experience talking to um english friends there's um a sense of of um sort of identity of of home country that exists here in a way that doesn't quite exist in the uk in the in the same way um but yeah i mean i think you know it is something that you know, sort of informs how we sort of see ourselves in, in the States um, and, and sort of how we relate um, to the larger sort of cultural fabric here. And, um, you know, it's it's something where I think in New York, 
you know, this is a city that is largely made up of of immigrants, people who are first generation, second generation, and and in a way that's that's sort of part of what makes the city, you know, what it is. Um, but I mean, it does sort of lend itself to a little bit of a sense of looking in at America, feeling a bit like an outsider. Sort of, um, you know, I often feel like, and this is partly a functioning uh, function of cultural background. It's partly a function of being in New York, which sort of feels like an island unto itself. And, you know, as we're sort of watching the sort of cultural and political news unfolding in the rest of the states, there's a little bit of a sense of, um, you know, we're sort of on the outside of the house looking in and sort of scratching our heads a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think it's reflected in, in the music as well. You know, we're sort of, uh, as much as we, you know, love this, uh, these American folk and, and bluegrass traditions, there is a little bit of a sense where like, you know, these are ours in some way, but we're also sort of looking in from the outside and, you know, making sense of it and making, making it our own and, and sort of disassembling it um, to taste. Yeah. And, and that's, there's, there's something very surreal about your music in a, in a good way. I don't mean that at all in a, mm -hmm. in a disparaging way that it's surreal in terms of, yeah. you know, you take reality and then you go, well, no, hang on a minute. Let's look at it from above almost looking up, you know, and, and looking yeah. at it from different angles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, in a way, like the, the group really sort of came from more of a, a grounding um, and shared language and free improvisation and free jazz. Um, San and I met at Carl Berger's uh, creative music studio. So the initial sort of language that we were connecting through was this sort of language of, of open improv, of, of noise making. And um, you know, we discovered sort of mutual interests in, in this sort of like American folk tradition, roots music. Um, that was something that, that I grew up with. It's something that at the time Sano was playing in quite a few bluegrass bands as sort of like a, a pickup musician. And, um, and later we picked up Zach uh, in 2018 and uh, he's also somebody who had sort of existed in both of these worlds. Um, but, you know, ultimately, as far as our improvisational sensibility and our sort of uh, compositional approach, I would say, you know, we were much more rooted in, in this sort of free jazz, free improv tradition. So it came away where, you know, as we sort of looked at these sort of like uh, bluegrass songs, which initially is kind of where we started this project before we started writing our own material, it was kind of treating like bluegrass songs kind of like heads in a in a free jazz kind of context yeah. as if we were like you know albert eiler's band you know instead of playing like you know a simple like you know folk melody as he would often do and, and sort of letting it go out we would use like a bluegrass melody as a starting point and um yeah so i mean there was always this like i think you know inherent in that a certain surreal quality to it um you know there was there was not a lot of um even though like uh there's you know, a love of that tradition. I, I wouldn't say there was much of a reverence for the tradition, and we were very happy to sort of um, let it melt in various ways. Yeah, and you use the word noise, and I find that really interesting because also all music is noise. Um, but you know, you're called astroturf noise, and noise can be regarded as something uh, chaotic in a bad way but this is chaotic noise in a good way 
Yeah. Well, yeah. In terms of our name, it wasn't necessarily chosen as a reference to noise music. The um, the actual original name of the band was a play on Bill Monroe and his Bluegrass Boys, and it was a uh, Kill Monroe and the AstroTurf Noise. <laughs> um, but um, but as far as noise, I mean, it is definitely an ingredient of our music, and I guess sort of the way I think about it is sort of the uh, totality of, of extra musical elements, the sort of non-tonal uh, texture and, and color that, that shapes the music. And in our case, um, there's definitely a lot of electronics that, that permeate what we do. Um, both San and I uh, do a lot of processing with guitar pedals of, of the mandolin and violin, respectively. Um, so in those instances, you know, the noise is, is these, uh, these sort of textures and and ways of processing the sound that are sort of beyond the musical content itself. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, something that is, is a pretty big part of my music practice. And, uh, you know, definitely, you know, I, I use the word noise with, with love, not in any sort of pejorative sense. <laughs> no, I, I, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Um, so going back to the album, how did you go about... Um, coming up with the tunes composing whatever bit of it that it is is composed or devised rather than what's improvised how did you where did you start from did you start from a groove did you start from chord changes how did you start yeah well um it, it was a bit different depending on the tune I, i'm the the primary composer of the group but um but of course there is a lot of improvisation built into these structures so um, you know, no small part of the sound is the sort of improvisational interaction between the three of us. But in, in starting tunes, um, they started from a couple places. I would say the main places they would start from were on the one side, um, um, a sort of basic folkloric melody. And, and that might be um, either uh, an original melody that I, I might write, like Brackwater Waltz, or in some cases, like on Midnight on the Ice, um, that one started with a, a traditional folk melody called Midnight on the Water. And um, I think it starts from, whether it's an original one or an adapted folk melody, it starts with a, a pretty bare bones, um, simple structure and, um, and, and the, the sort of bones of a melody. And from there, the, the sort of writing and composing process is just kind of problematizing that melody. Um, it's, you know, finding um, kind of unlikely harmonic structures to sit with it. It's adding in a certain amount of atonality or chromaticism to what would otherwise be sort of like a pleasant folk melody. Um, it's sort of, you know, adding that sort of um, um, dissonant spice that is, uh, is very much a part of the music. Um, and then the, on the other side, um, a number of the songs might start with something that's more sample or sequence based. So on this record, a number of songs like Tennessee Blazes or Prospect Freeze um, kind of started with um, um, a sort of series of sounds that we had collected. Um, in the case of Tennessee Blazes, it was a series of um, metal tines, these trail markers that are on the Appalachian Trail. And I'd sampled a series of those and then started building um, some sequences around that. And on Prospect Freeze, in the middle of the pandemic, San and I had been wandering around Prospect Park, which sort of became the backyard for all of Brooklyn during the pandemic. It was in the middle of the winter, and we just collected all these, these uh, samples of, of people and 
um, natural sounds from the park at that time. And then after kind of sequencing that into some sort of beats or some sort of rhythmic based figures, then the song sort of began coming from that. Actually, I wanted to talk to you. You mentioned briefly Midnight on the Ice, and that's one of the ones that particularly resonated with me, and I don't know why, but it did. So I wanted to play that at this point in the podcast, a little clip of it. So tell me about where you went. So, so you took this from a, a sort of existing folk tune, but you've made it your own. How did you do that? Did you listen to it and then, or did you, were you just aware of it? Yeah, I mean, it's um, Midnight on the Water is a, a fairly well-known old time song. So it's one that um, I had sort of been in my ear for, for quite a while and um, yeah, I mean, they sort of catch my attention in random ways. Uh, I, I often teach mandolin, and this is one that I'd, I'd been teaching to a couple of students, and you know, had been sort of reminded of like what a what a nice little tune this is. And um, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess like you know, something sort of um, excites you about a tune, and sort of in some ways like um, suggests that there might be ways of sort of pulling this apart in nice ways. Um, this was one that sort of. Um, had that feeling that it felt like it, it was such a simple melody. This is like one of these melodies that, um, you know, often is being taught early on when people are learning old time music. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a, um, a pretty like bare and simple and sweet little waltz. Um, so there was a lot of room within that to sort of pull it in different directions and add some, um, some different harmonic and melodic twists in it. So I also, I, I like, songs that have like a, a sort of like pretty simplicity to them because um, there's something that lends them to deconstruction because, you know, I, I kind of want there to still be like this, like sort of um, um, sort of touch of like humanity and kind of like sweetness to the music, despite the sort of uh, the dissonance and the, the sort of strange effects and electronics that are coming through it. So like having a sort of, um, nice kind of sweet melody at the middle of something that is you know a little bit turbulent around it can be a nice contrast and i, I felt like a, a song like 
um, midnight on the water, then becoming midnight on the ice. There was there was a sort of nice sort of core to work from. Yeah, and obviously that then ties into the whole blazing freezing. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, there's there's quite a lot of um, yeah, uh, you know, in quite a few songs that subject matter is is being flirted with in various ways. Yeah. Tell me about the uh, tell me about the tour. Our first date is in less than a week. Um, we're starting in Brighton uh, at the Rose Hill, um, really nice community-run space down there, and then um, we'll be in Cardiff at Chapter Arts. Um, then we're making the the big schlep up to the north to the Liberfiend up in uh, Newcastle, uh, and then London at the Ivy House and Bristol at Crofters Rights. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. And so if people want to come and see you, where's the best place for them to find tickets or find out about the exact dates? Uh, probably the easiest way is um, just through our website, um, astroturfnoise.com. We'll have uh, links to all the events there. Um, um, let's see. If you're if you're a, a wire reader, they have it listed there as well. Um, um, otherwise, if you just um, look up any of those specific venues, they'll have all the information there. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Fabulous. Well, I hope it goes brilliantly. I'm sure it will. Yeah, thanks so much. That's all right. Okay. It's really nice to talk to you, Sam. Yeah, you too. Really nice meeting you, Hillary. Okay. Thank you for joining me for Harmonious World. What you're listening to now is Brackwater Wolves, which is also on Blazing slash Freezing, the AstroTurf Noise album, which is out now. So if you have been to see uh, see them live, then I hope you enjoyed it. And if you're going, then let me know what you think. Thank you so much for joining me for Harmonious World again. And if you'd like to, remember you can support the show and get extra content by becoming a subscriber. That means you get an extra monthly podcast and a weekly email from me. Uh, The email contains lots of interesting snippets of what I'm listening to, where I've been to listen to music, what I've seen, uh, everything to do with music and trying to make this world a bit more harmonious. So please do join me as the links for subscribing are on the website and wherever you get your podcasts. And do rate and review if you can do that as well. That'd be great. So thank you very much for joining me and I hope you have a great week.
Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Harmonious World. My name is Hilary Seabrook and it's a great delight to bring this series of discussions with musicians and composers and writers and all sorts of people to you. Obviously, there's no point in having a podcast if people aren't listening and I'm very grateful to my listeners for doing so. Thanks also to Joe English for composing and performing this new theme tune. So wherever you get your podcast, you can leave a review. You can share this with your friends and family, either as a link or on social media and that sort of thing. I'd be really grateful for that. Don't forget that you can subscribe now. There's a link wherever you get your podcasts. So have a great week and please remember why I started this, which is just to try and make the world a little more harmonious. Thanks for listening to Harmonious World. <laughs>